How many of you believe that God is a relevant God? And I believe that um, the Lord has a relevant message for every church. Sometimes I try to default to the messages I like to preach. But then he uh, messes with my plans. And and he messed with my plans about an hour ago. And so I'm going to try to preach something I don't I never really preached before. But I know he's saying it. So, Father, help me. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay. Um, so Tracy talked about hope deferred, and the Lord was speaking to me about hope deferred this morning. And I'm going to get into, um, I'm not going to teach on hope deferred, but the message that I'm bringing this morning, um, hope deferred will keep you from what I feel like the Lord is saying for the month of August. And uh, I just spent the last two days at Chuck Pierce's place. So I got this prophetic thing on me now. And <laughs> who here has been to um, Chuck's place over there at Glory of Zion? We had a phenomenal time this weekend. He had a conference this weekend. It was just off the chain. And I had my own little encounter and it was just awesome. And so... I'll give you a 10-minute, five-minute version of who I am, and then I'll uh, try to deliver this word. So um, I'm originally from Michigan. Um, is anyone here from Michigan? That's right. You always say that. Where are you from again? Lansing. Lansing. Where are you from? Okay. So I'm from Michigan, and um, I, uh, I grew up around a religious family. I grew up around a, you know, big spirit-filled, or non, sorry, non-spirit-filled um, evangelical church. I'm not trying to dog on the evangelical church, but just kind of give you a background of where I came from, um, Calvinism, you know, just all that, that, that lifestyle. And um, I uh, never was saved, though, and I made a decision when I was about 12 years old where I said, look, you know, I would, I would look my parents right in the eyes and say, listen, the only difference between your life and mine is that you don't watch rated R movies and you yell at your wife just as much as anyone else does in the world. So why on earth would I want this Jesus that you say is all-powerful and everything? I'm just going to go live my life, have fun, and get wasted. And I'm going to go crazy. And if, and if I'm supposed to say the sinner's prayer, I will when I'm 90 on my deathbed. Get out of my face. Literally, I mean, that, that's who I was. I would, make my, I would make Christians cry. I really would. I, would, I was just a ruthless dude. And uh, Long story short, by the age of 17, I was in prison for selling drugs. Um, I was a cocaine trafficker, a pretty big one, um, rolling with Crips and rolling with Bloods in between both gangs, risking my life all the time down in Detroit. And... Um, by, by a miracle story, what ended up happening was, is I'm obviously giving you a fast-forward version. Um, from the ages, basically I was behind bars from the ages 14 to 19, you know, in the juvenile system when I was 14, 15, 16, and then in Michigan you're an adult when you're 17. And so I went to the big house when I was 17, and I'm with all these guys that are doing life for murder and stuff. And um, I, kept, I kept going in, and then a miracle would happen, I'd get out. And then I'd go back in, I'd get out, and I'd go back in, I'd get out. And I, would, I was on this two-year cycle of going into prison and getting out and going in and getting out because they kept, things just kept happening. They, they would get overpopulated because of my age. They kept letting me go. But finally, it was my last straw. I was out, you know, one night and I had, you know, I'm a felon on parole. Um, just, just a mess. And I end up getting pulled over with drugs in my car. I don't have my license anymore. I'm drunk, under the age, you know, just everything you can imagine all at once. I got like nine charges all at once. And uh, I'm now awaiting a prison sentence that would have me still in prison until 2017. 
And um, from a miracle from the Lord, um, my, my parents who are Christians and my grandparents who are not Christians begin to work with the, the law in my hometown. And my grandpa, he owns a big realty business. Everywhere you go, you know, he's the star in my town. And, and uh, he basically, long story short, they paid our court system a, a pretty penny and convinced the prosecuting attorney to send me to this Christian rehab they have heard about in a city called Traverse City, Michigan. <laughs> right? And, uh, and so I go. And I'm, this is crazy, I'm in this place that I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to this rehab, I'm going to be with all these other drug addicts, you know, I know what that rehab scene is like, actually it's like basically a young boy's home, and there's like 14 year olds in there who smoked weed once, and their mom caught them and sent them to this program, and I'm this felon, like, you know, I have like 12 charges, I have four felonies on my list, and, and they had to break the rules to bring me in in the first place, because you can't be 18, the, the, the limit is 17, you know, the age limit, and, um, to make a long story short, I get there and um, they sit me down. And this, by the way, this place was like spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, prayer room. I got introduced to IHOP the very first day of being there. And uh, they basically sat me down and said, this isn't rehab. This isn't a 12-step program. If you don't surrender your life to Jesus, you're hopeless the rest of your life and you're not going to go anywhere. So if you're not going to get right with God, you need to leave this program right now. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to get right with God, you know. But but they let me they let me stay. That was kind of their intimidation, you know. And uh, but well, what ended up happening was is uh, what ended up happening was is I begin to see real Christians. I, I begin to see people that would talk to me about Jesus, and they weren't necessarily telling me how horrible I was, but they were talking to me about this. They were pointing me to somebody, not pointing me to a bunch of rules I need to follow because that's somehow going to make my life more happy. Come on. Okay. And. And so they would talk to me about Jesus and I can remember for those first few months going, man, like these people are crazy. I've never seen Christians like this before because I grew up around, I mean, a very big church, 10,000 member church, you know, and uh, my, my dad's a deacon there, you know, and actually it's crazy. Both my parents don't even go there anymore, but I grew up around that just religious system of the, you know, the dads, you know, just not my dad, but just people just live in life and just, you know, I see what they're like outside of the church and I see the attitude and I see the, 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 the nonsense and then they put on this, this face on Sunday mornings and, and I just want nothing to do with that nonsense and to like a long story short, um, I began to really wrestle in my heart. I was like, man, okay, this is something. Like, these guys must really know Jesus. Like, they, like this is weird. Like, I've never seen anything like this. You know, speaking in tongues, healing people, all that stuff. And um, I was like, you know, just that pride in my heart, though. Because my Lord was tugging at my heart, but my pride was like, I'll never get saved. That's just ridiculous. Are you kidding me? That's the last thing I'll ever do is get saved, you know? And... Um, so I kind of, I started wrestling with the idea of getting saved so I can get out of the program earlier and maybe it will help my life and maybe, maybe I can do Jesus and I can, you know, it would be nice to stop being a drug addict, but I don't really want to do that. But maybe, it'll, you know, so I'm kind of having this like double-minded, like I'll say yes to Jesus because it'll probably get me out of the program faster and, and, you know, make my parents happy and hey, maybe it'll help me get off drugs, but I'm not going to do it once I get out. I'll, I'll quit the drug. I just had this funny mindset and, um, so on, this is crazy, so I have an atheist probation officer, right, that they, that they, that they assigned me to. And so she would come visit me every month, and she, I, she just hated me. Because I was just the, the worst dude. I mean, if you guys knew me before I was saved, I was just like the worst dude ever. I mean, I would throw a brick through your grandma's window and steal her credit cards and go swipe them up. I mean, I would, seriously, I would rob old ladies on the side of the road and take their purse. I mean, I was just a complete, now I've been involved in drive-by shootings, all that nonsense. And, and she just hated me. And then on November 11, 2008, 
Um, there was a man there from Africa speaking at our Wednesday chapel, and uh, he was telling all these healing stories. And long story short, everyone in the room got healed of whatever they need to be healed of. And I'm sitting there going, this is just crazy. Like, obviously it's real. You know, I can't deny the God thing anymore. And then I hear a voice, and the voice says, Josh, I love you so much, and I just wish you would surrender your life to me. And I was like, oh man, what the heck was that? Then this lady comes up to me and says what the Lord just said to me, right? And so, so my pride is still raging though, you know, like, well, okay, whatever, I'm not going to do it, you know, and, and so I make this, this, it's so funny how I made a half-hearted decision for the Lord that worked <laughs> because I still was like, okay, I'm going to do it. That's going to get me out of the program faster. It can only be good, right? But I wasn't, it wasn't like a, okay, Jesus, I need you, but the Lord used it anyways. And, um, the next day I got filled with the Holy Spirit, November 12th, and, um, this is crazy. So then over the next few months, my probation officer is coming and she's like, what the heck happened to you? She ends up getting her life to Jesus. My atheist probation officer. Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing. And I didn't get to witness to her, but, but the counselors did. Because, you know, the counselors would have to sit with this probation officer. And uh, this is an amazing place. This place is called Abba's House. And they're now an end time refuge home. The whole ministry has shifted. And they're bringing in Exodus Cry, the, the human trafficking ministry. They're actually, Abba's House is the first place they call first when they, when they rescue women. Because they, they know how to deal with those kind of issues. And, and so now they're this big end time refuge home. And it's just unbelievable what God's doing there and it's a real awesome privilege they, they now have a house of prayer that's one of the most booming house of prayers in America in Traverse City they go like 19 hours a day you know it's just 19-7 and the Lord's just doing a lot of work up there but um so eight months into my salvation process um salvation is a process <laughs> you're not fully sanctified the day that you get saved I just want to squash the false grace doctrine right now in Jesus name the Lord has told me to preach against it at every pulpit whether that's my message or not so there it was the false grace theology that says you're fully sanctified fully perfected the day you get saved is false nonsense don't agree with it at all agree with the finished work of the cross but obey and walk out your sanctification with fear and trembling okay so um Anyways, I have to. No, I have to. The Lord made it so clear earlier this year, I have to speak against this message everywhere I go. He's asked me to do it. And so, there it was. <laughs> and um, how many know that's a message that's just running rampant across the body of Christ? The false grace issue is not an issue that's okay to sin. It's an issue that you don't have to do anything now because you're saved. They teach against sin. They do. Most of the false grace teachers, they do teach against sin. Most of them. There, there's this idea that there's all these teachers saying you can go do whatever you want. I'm sure they're out there, but it's not as big as, as some people are making it out to be. But the real issue is this message that you don't need to fast anymore. You don't need to, because, you know, Jesus took it all and you're one with the bridegroom anyways now. That's what he was talking about. And we actually don't, there's actually big name teachers teaching that we don't even have to follow the red letters of the Bible anymore because it was all principles to the Old Testament, Old Covenant Pharisees and that we just use the principles kind of. We don't actually have to follow them anymore. Just crazy. God's never angry anymore. He's always happy. It's nonsense. Don't drink from that. That, that, that message will take you so far down a pit and then when Jesus comes, you're not going to recognize him because you're going to be offended because he didn't come like you thought he would. Okay? I'm going to stop there. I could just go off on that message, but I'm not, I'm not supposed to today. Um, so, so after eight months into my, into, into my walk with the Lord, um, I get to go to IHOP three times. I get to go with the rehab. It's just amazing. I got to go see Bill Weiss, the 23 Minutes in Hell guy, and that just messed me up. And then we went to um, 
We went to the One Thing Conference, and that messed me up. And then the fourth time, or third time we were at IHOP, um, a guy named Hal Linhart, who is the director of evangelism at IHOP, he's my spiritual father, um, runs into my counselor in the prayer room hallway. We're all in the prayer room. And he says, there's a young man with you. He goes, I don't, Hal, and if you know Hal, he doesn't do this kind of prophetic stuff normally. And so he goes, I'm supposed to give you this thing. And he hands one of my counselors a little business card that says the Forerunner Evangelism Intensive, a three-month course, you know, a new course here at IHOP. And so basically, the counselor comes to me and goes, hey, there's this internship. What do you think? You know, and... and um, and so that night we went out evangelizing and it was just like awesome. I loved it. I didn't really know anything. I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't really barely explain Jesus to anybody, but it just worked. And, and uh, so that's what I did. I ended up moving to Kansas City to, um, to do this internship called the Forerunner Evangelism Intensive. And that's where I met my wife. Um, she was in the One Thing internship at the time. And, and, and just right off the get-go of not even being with the Lord for a year, I understood the idea and, and the reality that people are going to hell and that because I'm saved, the only response that I even should be thinking about is, one, worshiping him, but then two, I've got to tell other people about what just happened to me. Right? But that's not something you graduate from once you get more mature in the Lord. It's not for the new guy who's zealous. There's this, when you meet fiery evangelists, a lot of older guys and older women will kind of go, oh, he's, you know, he's new. He's got that fire on him. It's like, well, I'm sorry that you think that way. But I want to be like Reinhard Bonnke because that man's more on fire than any 20 I've ever met in my life. And he's in his 80s. <laughs> who here has ever been in a room with Reinhard Bonnke? Is anyone? And listen to him speak? I know you have. It's off the chain. It'll just fire you up. And so... That's my story. Met my wife. We got married um, November 11, 2000. Or sorry, that's that's not. That's when I got saved. November 11. We got married February 11th, uh, 2011, and uh, so 2-11-11. We had my my little boy Nehemiah on December 5th. He's going to be two years old here coming up in December. And it's just been a wild ride. It's been a wild ride, and I'm uh, I'm on staff at IHOP in the evangelism department. I have a traveling school with another guy. Um, who here know, met, met Reese? This is my third time here this year. Reese has been with me every time, and he's prayed over you guys. And so we travel all over, and we we teach evangelism, but not really. We teach identity that releases you to go out because we break off the religious mindsets of when I'm out on an outreach, I have to be performance driven, and then I'll shut it off the rest of the week. There's a lot of evangelists that have made evangelism very religious. And they do their outreach once a week, but they don't tell anyone about Jesus during their everyday life. And so we're trying to knock off the wrong mindset about outreach and the word evangelism, because this might wreck some of you guys' theology, but the word outreach and evangelism is not even in the Bible. Do we need to do outreaches? Absolutely. We have 10 a week at, in my department at IHOP. We have 10 a week. It's amazing. But the problem is that so many people go, I need to start telling people about Jesus. So they make this little two-hour block of their week to do an outreach. And it's just another religious formula, and they're doing it because they think God's mad at them for not doing it. And it's not, and, and they're not convincing anybody that, that they need Jesus because they're doing it out of the wrong motives. It's not out of a place of because I'm a, because I'm a son of God, I have to tell people about Him, right? So that's what we do. We unlock believers, and and specifically, what the Lord is targeting us for, though, is nine to five businessmen who have a family and kids who don't have a vision for their workplace, who don't have a vision for that grocery store they go grocery shopping every week at, for for that same place they fill up their gas tank, for that same Starbucks they drive to every day, because those are sphere of influence the Lord has given you, and and so 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 we're so we're equipping the, the, those people. We're not equipping to raise up more full time evangelists to do outreaches. We're trying to get the normal people, because ninety eight percent of the 
body of Christ isn't called to be in full-time ministry. They're called to work a job. They're called to do normal American life. And so we've got to catch a vision because we've got to, Jesus would have came back a long time ago if every believer in America was just doing this thing. America would already been washed in the blood and now we, got, now we have to do these big crusades and it's just, come on guys, we got to step it up. We got to step it up for real, for real. It's not hard to just talk to somebody. Do I do it every single minute every day of my life? No, but I try to make it a priority, you know, not because it's a religious thing, but it's like, man, these people don't know. These people don't know. I just was at 7-Eleven down here on um, whatever street this is and um, got, had a great conversation with a Muslim lady. I'm sure most of you guys have met her a hundred times, you know, and got to really question her on why she's a Muslim because most Muslims think they were born Muslim. You can't be born Muslim. <laughs> and she's like, well, what do you mean? I was born a Muslim. You can't be born a Muslim. If I took a DNA test right now, the word Muslim would not show up in your blood. <laughs> it's a choice. So when did you make a choice to follow that road? Well, I was born in the family. Well, no. So it must not be real on your heart then. And I'm just pressing. So you got to say, no, you can have these conversations with everybody. And I got this lady thinking like, wow, I don't really have any zeal or passion for what I believe. I just was born into it. Wow, I didn't actually make a choice. Wait, Muslims, that's a choice. Wait, what? And I'm just confusing her. I'm like, yeah, it's a choice. You, don't, you can't just be born into a Muslim family. Just because your parents are Muslim doesn't mean you're a Muslim. Like you don't just adopt a belief system, but don't actually believe it for yourself. You know, and so anyways. <laughs> Let me get to what I feel like the Lord's saying. Here's what I feel like the Lord's saying. Um, so, so we're in for the month of August, which is number eight on the American calendar, okay? And the Jewish calendar, we just started a new month. What? Oh, I'm sorry, the camera. So the camera is, man, I was, I'd be, usually I walk up and down the aisles and everything. It's like eight foot. Okay, I have to stay in the camera. Come on, guys. Okay, I'll stay in the camera. So, so, so we're in the month of August. August is eight. Okay, I'm going to get prophetic with you guys a little bit here. The Lord began to speak to me this morning because I had a whole different message. Um, so the number eight, as I've been studying this morning, means resurrection. It means, um, and it means resurrection, a new era, or a new beginning to something, or a regeneration. Okay, and so today is 8-11. Romans 8, 11 says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And so there's this, there's this theme that I feel like the Lord is highlighting, and it's this theme of resurrection, but not necessarily like, we're going to raise everyone from the dead, now let's go for it, you know? But, but like somebody said, some great theologian said, it's great to pray for faith to raise the dead, but that means people have to die, and you don't really want people to die. And so, so when, you're, when you have those moments, you know, go for it. But I don't really believe that the Lord is necessarily highlighting resurrection from the dead power. I feel like he's saying um, over this house and over a lot of the body, and this is, this is why when you said hope deferred, um, it really, I was like, okay, Lord, I did hear you this morning, is there's a lot of you in this room that have dreams visions, plans, the Lord's spoken to you something, but you feel like it hasn't come to pass. And so you've allowed hope deferred to come into your life and take over and you've lost vision and now you're doing something that you really weren't supposed to be doing anyways because you're not trusting God for what he said about you. And I believe that we are in a month, I believe this month, there's going to be uh, a, a, a double portion and a resurrection of dreams in our lives coming forward. I really believe it. The Lord wants to destroy this thing because hope deferred makes a heart sick. We're not supposed to have sick hearts. Our hearts are supposed to be full, right? And so, so I believe the Lord is saying, I'm just going to reiterate what I just said. 
I feel like he is saying, begin to talk to the Lord about the stuff that he's been speaking to you about. How many of you have a, have a journal or you, you write words down or you have a shoebox where you, you, know, you write prophetic words down and you put it in or you journal your dreams? Does anyone do that stuff? Okay, for those of you who don't, you need to do it because God is way more prophetic than you think. You sometimes you get around prophetic people and you're like, man, come on, dude, you're reading into everything. But no, it really is like that. Like he, God really is that way. When you wake up in the morning, pay attention to what time you woke up and ask the Lord, Lord, why did, why did I wake up at 9.33 this morning? No, I mean, he's that prophetic. Like God loves to speak to us just like a friend, but he speaks to us in so many other ways that we're not paying attention to. I don't believe that the only, you, you guys, I'm just sure you guys agree with me, that not the only, God doesn't only speak just by simply just talking to you. He, you can be driving down the highway and you see a sign and it, and it means the world to you or, or whatever. And so God is asking, is asking us right now in the body of Christ to pay attention to times, pay attention to dates, pay attention to these things. And he's going to begin to start awakening your heart and he's going to call forth those things that you have let go of. It, but, but, see, the thing is, is we have to partner with God. How many of you know that our lives are like a big puzzle piece? And, but it takes, um, Romans 8, I think it's 14, says, um, 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 For as many are led by the Spirit, these are sons of God. So, our lives are this big puzzle piece that God is waiting to put together, but it only gets put together by those who are living, Romans eight fourteen, because you can miss what God is trying to do all the time. The day that you got saved, there was a perfect storyline for you. I, I only wonder how many times I blew my own storyline. I mean, I know God, you know, has mercy and he brings it back into the play. But imagine if you were led by the Spirit of God all the time. And it's just like Jesus told the disciples, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. Imagine if you lived that way and you're in the right timing at all. You're in the right place, the right time, all the time. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, guess what? We can live that way. Now, we're human, so we're going to blow it here and there, but I had a dream uh, two nights ago. That's exactly what I'm talking about right now. In this dream, I was, at an airplane, I was at an airport, and I had this dream three times in a two-day span, but it was different scenarios, but it all meant the same thing, and I can, for some reason, I can only remember the, the airport one really well. So, I, I'm... Um, so I'm in this airport, and I'm flying from Michigan back to Kansas City. I was doing ministry in Michigan. I'm flying back, and I was dorking around at the house, just being stupid, being distracted by something, and I missed my flight, okay? And so I'm all bummed out. I missed my flight. I'm, I'm angry. I'm like, man, I can't believe I did that. Then I get to the airport for my next flight, and what happens is, is I am, I, this person in front of me drops this bag, out of stuff and it's not my business it was a distraction but I end up spending all my time on the floor digging through this bag of stuff and I miss my flight again and 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 and, and so I feel like what the Lord was showing me was is Josh you have to be in my timing and led by my spirit because you're going to miss things you're going to miss things and 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 then and then I woke up this morning asking him about the dream and he began to speak to me about this Today, you know, the month, I just kind of was talking to the Lord. I was like, Lord, okay, we're in August 8th, 8, 8-11. I already, you know, the first thing that came to my mind last night, I was like, Romans 8-11, yes. You know, resurrection from the dead. We all love that stuff. But I was like, Lord, I think you're saying something different. He began to talk to me about there are dreams that have to be resurrected because I'm the one who gave the dream in the first place. Tell them to stop being distracted and begin to let the promise of God rise in their life. I believe that we really are in a year of prosperity. Yeah. I really do. I know every preacher says that every year is a year of prosperity, but... Um, this year in the Hebraic calendar was, is, um, w one of the big things over us is that we're in the, we're in the, um, the year of the camel. Yeah. 
Who here knows what I'm talking about? Do you agree? Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Well, a lot of what the camel talks about is, is a year of prosperity and favor. Because here's the thing. There's a real crisis coming to the earth really, really soon. And the body of Christ, these remnants that are on fire right now, that are, that are ready for a promotion, there's going to be big time promotion coming. And I believe it's coming in this year, and I, and I want you guys to pay attention. I believe it's coming in this month. I believe that there's serious things coming. Ministry that you have had called that the people, you know, we all get awesome prophetic words about we're going to be in front of stages and people. Well, I'm telling you, this month, a lot of you guys, this is going to happen in your life. And in, in, in the rest of this year, you're going to see all of these things that you've gone, man, I get these words about this. I get these words about this. How's that going to play out in my life? Watch as it comes forth in your life, but talk to the Lord about it along the way. Okay, check this out. I'm going to break down a couple more things to the number eight. I've never preached this in my life. So I'm trying. Am, is, am I making sense? Yes. I'm not all over the place? Okay. Um, check this out. I did some research today on the number eight. Just wild stuff in the Bible. Um, so check this out. So the flood. There were eight men left after the flood. And Noah stepped in to the new earth. And began to create the new, you know, become a king over this new thing. This new era that was, that, that was on the arise after the Lord wiped out our earth with the flood. Okay? Back to the resurrection thing. A new era. Okay? Um, oh, there's so much of this number eight thing. It's just, it's just nuts. Um, check this out. There were eight resurrections from the dead in the Bible. Eight of them. Um, now, some might say nine, depending on your theology, when Paul was stoned and it said that he was, a de you know, he was like a dead man, and they pulled him away and then he rose up. That's not necessarily saying he rose from the dead, but some people, th I don't know. Who, let's just say he did. That'd be cool. But for the, actually, no, for the sake of this teaching, let's say he didn't, so we can keep it at the number eight. <laughs> to me, it doesn't sound like he was dead. Reading. Do you guys know what scripture I'm talking about in Acts? When he gets stoned, it doesn't sound like he was dead to me. It sounds like he was almost dead, but then he got healed and he just rose up. <laughs> I mean, he was like almost dead, yeah. Mostly dead. Okay, so check this out. Elijah raises the son of a woman in 1 Kings 17, 8 through 9 and 17 through 23. Elijah raises the son of the, the Shunammite, or how do you pronounce it? A Shunammite woman in 2 Kings 4, 16, I know you're probably not going to be able to keep up with this. 2 Kings 4, 16 through 20. I'm not going to go through it all. It will take two hours. Uh, 32 through 36. Check this out. God uses the bones of Elijah to raise a man back to life in 2 Kings 13. Jesus resurrects the only son from a woman in Nan, or however you pronounce those, that, that N-A-N. Did anyone know how to pronounce that? N-A-I-N. Nan. Nan. Whatever. Um... Jesus raises the daughter of Jairus, who is the ruler of the synagogue from the dead. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Joppa, he raises Tabitha. The Apostle Paul raises the man that fell from the ceiling from the dead. So there's eight main resurrections in the Bible, okay, that they're talking about. Check this out. Eight days of the feast. The feast of the tabernacle is for eight days. The circumcision as a sacrifice to the Lord was on the eighth day. Okay? The number eight is just, oh, I, I, could, I could just do this for another hour, but I'm not going to. Um, there were eight recorded miracles from Elijah, and then Elisha, the double portion, there's 16 recorded miracles. Awesome. Oh, wow. Oh, it's crazy. No, it's just crazy. And so, um, and so with all this said, um, I plan on really not preaching much this morning. Sorry, guys, um, because, because I felt like it was more of a prophetic thing this morning, and I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you guys. She talked about you need to have faith to overcome your hope deferred thing. Well, the Lord told me to bring my f the faith oil this morning. 
I believe in this stuff. I believe it's called faith. It's called faith. Hebrews 12 2, the author and finisher of our faith. That's, that's what this oil is. No, it's of course it's Chuck Pierce. I mean, who else would have oil like that? But, um, you know, <laughs> you know, you go there. Oh, you go there. It's so funny at Glory You go there and there's like 12 different kinds of, and you get sucked in. Like, not that it's a scam, but like you want, you're like, oh, prosperity oil. Yeah, okay. You know, like, I'll use that, you know, and you're like, you're like, oh, healing grace. Okay, faith. I'll take that one, you know. Oh, covered in worship. You're like, oh, sweet, you know. You know, you have them all in your bag and you can, how do you, how do you juggle all that? It's so funny. I was, <laughs> it was so funny. When I was, my first time at Glory of Zion was back in March and uh, they, their whole team were praying and prophesying over my buddies and they were like pulling them all out. Like this one's called repairing the breach and it was just awesome. But I believe in that stuff. I really do. I believe, I believe this stuff is for real. And so, so today the Lord, I had a whole message. I've, I've been preaching the same message everywhere I go for the last six months and it's really polished and it's awesome because I've preached it a hundred times. And, and, but I woke up this morning and I was like, okay, Lord, you know, I didn't even think about it. The notes are already there. I'll just go. It's in my heart anyways. I don't even look at them usually. And the Lord just started talking to me. He said, no, 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 it's going to be different this morning. I want you to declare something. And I don't do this really that often. I'm not someone who goes to every church and prophesies the next thing and declares the next thing. But, but I really, and I'm not against that, but I really believe that the Lord told me to say, that to you guys today, that, that there is a resurrection in your life that's coming. It's over this house. There's promises that, you're, that you've been laboring for that you're wondering what is going on. It's really coming. Yeah. It's really coming. These, res, these dreams in your heart, they're going to arise, okay? How many of you can identify with what I'm saying right now? There's dreams in your heart and you're going, man, I don't know. And, and how many of you, just be honest, have lost hope? have lost faith and you're like, you know, I give up. I just give up on that thing. No, don't do that because you want to be persistent with God, okay? Keep bringing these things forward, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay hands on you guys here in a little bit and what I'm going to pray for, I have to tell you an encounter I had last night though that was significant for today. What I want to pray for you guys for is that there's going to be fresh faith to believe the Lord for those things in your life that you thought were dead, that you thought were gone. And I'm telling you, this year is huge. 2013 is a big year. I know every year we, <laughs> I don't normally do this prophetic thing and I'm just, I'm listening to myself and I'm like, you sound just like the others, but <laughs> you know, every year is the year of, you know, your, your blessing and your favor and check your bank accounts, you know, and, and uh, no, it really is though. It really is a year of prosperity. My wife and I have experienced prosperity this year and it's just been amazing and, um, so I got, and then also the Lord is saying too with this resurrection thing that he wants me to, he wants me to impart to you guys faith to see the sick healed. I've yet to see someone raised from the dead. I had a great opportunity to go for it and it didn't work. And uh, I felt like I had the world against me, man. I did. I was being called a slothful in my zeal and all. It was actually, there was, a, there was an incident uh, not too long ago where a young man at IHOP was rear-ended at 70 miles per hour at a stop sign and died. And, oh, it was just, it was horrific, horrific, horrific. And uh, I, was in, I was asked by his girlfriend and, and three others to go and pray for him to be raised from the dead. And um, the reason why I'm telling this story is because when you start to walk in radical faith, a lot of people are going to be against you. Um, even in my own home, you know, my own ministry, that the place that I call home, and I'm not, this isn't a bash at IHOP or anything like that, but there was, uh, I mean, an unreal amount of opposition. I mean, people sitting me down and telling me I'm being a fool, I'm trying to be a superhero, 
bro. I'm slothful in my zeal. You need to stop. You know, and the Lord just kept speaking to me. Those kind of mindsets will never let you be someone that you've always wanted to be. You know, we, we, look, we look up to the revivalists. We look up to the David Hogans and we look up to the Charles, to Charles Finney's and, and all these people. But then when you actually meet someone who has that kind of faith, we laugh at them. And we say, oh my gosh, like, who do you think you are, dude? I know who I am. The Bible says that I'm a new creation in Christ. Philippians 3 says that I'm a citizen of heaven. I don't think like you think anymore. Right. I, my citizenship is up here, not down here. And so God is an eternal God who lives up there but created earth down here with limitations but put supernatural human beings into it. And Adam and Eve blew the whole thing. But now that we're saved, we can actually take our stand again. Yeah. Isn't that crazy to think about? That God eternal created a world with limitations? Have you guys ever pondered that thought? You ever tried to ponder on eternity? Oh, it'll just make you sick. <laughs> try it. Try it. Try, try to just sit for a day and count like a million back, you know? <laughs> and then you're, you're not even close because he's eternal. And what was he doing all that time before the earth? It wasn't like it started when the earth started. He was always there, and so was Jesus. What? Oh, uh, just, it'll kill you. It'll kill you. But, but why did, now, now, check this out. Why did God, eternal, make an earth that spins on an axis that has light and day? If I jump, I fall back down because there's gravity. Why would he create an earth with limitations when he's a limitless God? Why would he just create heaven on earth? Then he puts Adam who is in his image with no restrictions, with he's never going to get sick or die ever, and he's going to take over the earth, and he's going to populate it, and he's going to do all this awesome stuff, and then they screw up. So we as supernatural Christians, or whatever you want to call us, we're Christians. <laughs> you know, we, we get so intense in the body of Christ about la na naming, name, or labeling everything supernatural. You know, Well, I'm different because this is a supernatural book. <laughs> the day I got saved was the most supernatural thing that could ever happen in my life. And, and so we now have an assignment on our lives, and that's to basically take dominion, not fully. You know, I'm not going to, never mind, I'm not going to go into another theological debate. We are not going to take over the earth fully, but we do have, a, we do have an assignment to, 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 as much as we can, with God's strength, to establish his kingdom in every sphere of influence that we're involved in. And the only way that you can get to that place, though, is by knocking off this hope deferred thing and beginning to have your faith arise again and believe that God wants to actually use you in that way. How many of you, how many of you have had evangelists like me or other people come and they tell their cool stories and you leave? going, well, that's awesome, but man, like, and you, 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 you love to listen to everybody else's stories, but you don't believe it for yourself, okay? We are not going to be revivalists like these guys that we look up to if we don't believe this stuff for ourselves. Seriously. Seriously, guys. You can do this thing. You can, you can have the craziest stuff happen in your life. Be faithful with the assignment that you have now, and watch as you're faithful with the assignment you have now. You're, the bigger thing that you have lost hope for will arise. A lot of times, our promises aren't coming forth because we're not being faithful in the meantime. We get, we get a word about, I'm going to be on a stage preaching to five million, and so we're just waiting for that thing to happen, and we're wasting our time now. I'm not there yet right now, so I'm going to get everyone saved that I can at the mall, and I'm going to be faithful with the assignment that I have now. And as you're faithful with the little... God will give you more and much. And so right now, in this place where we're, we're talking about the resurrection of your dreams, let me ask you this question. Are you being faithful now, even though that promise hasn't been fulfilled in your life? Are you being faithful with whatever's going on right now? 
If the answer is no, that's okay because today you're going to get to sign up again. Praise God for God's mercy. Yeah. Right? Right? Pray for his mercy and grace. It's just amazing. And uh, so I got, I got to tell a story though. One more story. I was going to tell all these evangelism stories, but I'm not going to. God's done cool stuff. Seeing cancer healed and all kinds of fun stuff. And um, I mean, just really off. God does really cool things, guys. He really, really does. I take my son to the playground and I watch a lady with tumors on her stomach dissolve. You know, I mean, just, just amazing stuff. And you guys can all walk in this too because you're a son of God. Here's the thing. A lot of times an evangelist will go preach somewhere and, and people point the finger and go, well, you're the evangelist. The only difference biblically, study this because I have, between an evangelist and a non-evangelist is the equipping of the saints. There's no other difference between an evangelist and any other calling except for the fact that for the equipping of the saints part. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that I have some extra thing that I can tell more people about Jesus than you can. Well, he's just an evangelist, so that's his natural thing. No, it does not say that. It doesn't say that. I still have to fight my flesh all the time because I usually don't want to tell someone about Jesus. Isn't that weird? That our flesh makes us not want to tell someone about the Savior of the world? But a lot, and, and most of the time we bow our knee to our flesh. We bow our knee to butterflies in our stomach. You know, it's just crazy. But, okay, that's a side note. So, so let, me tell you this, let, me, let me tell you this encounter that I had yesterday at Chuck Pierce's place. This is crazy. And, and I brought these feathers with me because there's something on these feathers. They're going to heal you guys. I'm serious. God's going to heal people in this room today. And, and some of you guys' hope deferred has to do with you are waiting for this promise of a healing that hasn't happened yet in your bodies. How many of you guys know a guy named Wes Adams? Does anyone know Wes Adams at IHOP? He's in a wheelchair. He teaches in our Bible school. There's this guy at IHOP named Wes Adams, okay? He's been paralyzed for like, I don't even know, 30 years. And the Lord promised him the day that he got paralyzed, he was going to heal him. How do you walk that kind of faith out? Lord, you promised me 30 years ago I was going to be healed. He wakes up every single morning and spends the first 30 minutes of the day praying for his healing. He's been doing it for 30 years. Hasn't lost hope. Hasn't lost faith. God, you said. God, you said. And so, so last, yesterday we're at, we're at Chuck Pierce's prayer garden. Who's ever been to his prayer garden? Oh my gosh. If you haven't been there, you need to get there. He's got this 12 tribes of Israel prayer garden. And each, oh, it's like the size of a football field. Seriously. And each each station, all the plants and everything are from Israel. Like you're walking on soil that's from Israel. It's for real. Like everything is from, is from Israel. And I'm talking to this lady from Oklahoma. And, uh, and she's just like fascinated by me for some reason. She wants to know everything about my life and what my ministry is. And I it was just funny. And so I'm like talking to this lady. And uh, she goes, you guys want, do you guys want to see the portal? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, the portal? She goes, oh yeah, there's a portal here. And I'm like, okay where? And uh, so she takes us over to this, this spot. I think it was the tribe of Gad. Now, I've been trying to figure out if it was a tribe of Gad, why. I've been doing research all night. I can't figure out what, that, what the significance of that would be. But we're there. She goes, okay. And so, when I'm talking to this lady, these two angel feathers just come down. I mean, they're like biggest ones I've ever seen. And I'm like, this is, this is crazy. So I step in it. And I step in. And I feel it. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it wasn't like I was on the ground, but you could feel the Holy Spirit, you know, like different than if you were on the other side of the garden. And I'm like, okay, I, I feel it, you know. Like I was, I was expecting to go up or something, you know, this portal. And uh, and so I'm, I'm sitting there, and like I feel, I feel a little tingly, and I'm like, okay, all right, you know. And then all of a sudden, I kind of feel this weight on my shoulders. And my wife 
so then she starts, right when I feel the weight, she goes, yeah, it's almost like this weight is on us right now. I said, yeah, I feel that. And my wife looks over. And then on both sides of my shoulder, there's these uh, handprints of gold dust. Right here and right here. It was an angel putting his hand on me. Um, Malachi 4 says that the sun of righteousness shall arise with healing in its wings. Okay? I believe these, the, the, these feathers, because I went through a two-month period. Um, my, before my first time coming to Dallas, I went through a two-month period where I had over 50 angel feathers. I had this jar of them. And I believe there's significance of healing. The, you know, the Bible talks over and over again about he'll hide you under the shadow of his wings and all this stuff. And so I believe there's, there's an anointing in this room tonight to really break stuff to really, or this morning, to really, um, to really break things off of people, to really um, sign up for radical faith, because without faith, you can't even please God. That's harsh. If you don't have faith for anything in your life, you're not pleasing God. You need to have faith. If you are a nine to five guy who makes $100,000 a year, ask the Lord how to have faith with your finances. What does that look like? You know, if whatever, whatever your life is, whatever your situations are in your life, you need to have faith that, that even though, what, you know, maybe, maybe you make things happen, but you need to ask the Lord, how do I have faith in this place? Some of you, it's you need the faith or else it's not going to happen. And some of you, you're so comfortable that you don't even know how to live in faith. You can have both. I experience that almost every other month. You know, I go preaching, I get a sweet check, and I'm like, okay, I don't need to trust the Lord anymore. <laughs> you know, I got, I'll pay off my rent for the next few months. And, you know, and then you stop trusting the Lord. You do. And then all of a sudden, two months of rent runs out, and uh-oh, you know, rent's due in three days, and I start wanting to make stuff happen. I'm about to call a pastor to go preach at a church just to go make money or something stupid. You know, I'm like, oh, I need to call, I need to go mow someone's lawn. You know, you just, you start panicking, and it's the Lord's like, come on, dude. You need to have faith, okay? And so this faith is going gonna, is gonna to propel you guys, though. Not just in your own personal life, it's going to propel you for this promotion that's coming.